Okay, hi. Welcome to Tabletop Transmissions. I'm one of your hosts, Liz. Uh, and joining me, as always, are my co-hosts. Hi, I'm Cassie. And I am Fran. All right. So, uh, how we uh, how we doing today? I'm doing all right, I think. Um, a little tired, but other than that, doing well. Yeah, same here. Um, busy, busy weekend of socializing and writing, which you know are two dramatically different things. So, <coughs> yeah, I did. I did neither of those things. <laughs> well, you did socializing. Uh, kinda, yeah. And I've just successfully gotten a bit of corn that was driving me crazy out of my teeth. So, oh, dude! Successes yeah. all the way around. Best week ever. Yeah. Uh, grilled corn on the cob, definitely mm-hmm. underrated. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, you just throw it in the husk for about 15 minutes, turn it occasionally. It's amazing. Yeah, All right, welcome to Corncast. You <laughs> 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 thought you were going to get RPGs. Nope, it's yeah. just corn. <laughs> yep. <laughs> No. In fact, you'll notice by my devil-may-care attitude, we're going to be talking today about punk. That's right. You heard correctly. (laughs) Unless you heard the word spunk, in which case you did hear incorrectly. I said punk. (laughs) It's it's been a long week for all of us, I think. Yes, it has. So forgive us if we're all just a little punchy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, getting getting ready to go to California for my first time, freaking out a little bit. Yay! <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. I spent the whole week freaking out. Uh, um, I have a friend visiting. It's the first time I've met her in person, and I'm uh, I spent the whole week freaking out. So you know, there we go. Anyway, uh, so <laughs> remember, folks, if you're listening to this, go take your pills. Yeah. <laughs> Don't need them. Yeah. Trust us. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, so uh, in all seriousness, what I wanted to kind of talk about this week is something that's near and dear to my heart. For those of you that have never seen me, right now I have two side shaves and sort of a blue uh, blue mohawk. So it you might really looks nice. You it might does. say I like punk. Mm-hmm. Um, but more than just the aesthetics, the music, we're talking about the attitude. And you might have noticed, sometimes it gets added to a genre you like in, uh, in role-playing games. Yep. So, uh, my question then, how many different types of punk genre, like, that, you, um, should we do it, should we name them, should we do it, uh, how many different punk genre games can we name, or have we played in? Well, I mean, hmm, this, I... Why and then we can also ask the question. I mean, we we probably know the answer, but why does punk keep getting appended to things like mm-hmm. um, cyberpunk? Made sense because that's what it was mm-hmm. in the early '80s. When uh, much as I dislike him, William Gibson came on, around and just blew people's mind with Count Zero mm-hmm. and then Neuromancer. Uh, yeah. um, that was punk. That was definitely cyberpunk, but. Why is steampunk steampunk? You know? <laughs> so, 
I want to, um, that's a good question. I want to get to that in one second. Oh, sorry. But I wanted to, I wanted to like name some examples. So mm-hmm. like right off the bat, uh, a game that we've talked about, I think almost every episode is mm-hmm. cyberpunk. Yeah. yeah. Um, Insert GIF of that's my fetish. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, no, we're not going to, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going <laughs> to. Thank about. you. But, um, uh, but yeah, no, Cyberpunk, um, I, I'm just looking at my shelf now. I've got, uh, I've got Shadowrun. I've got The Sprawl, which is a great, uh, a really cool game. Uh, people should check that out. Uh, I've got, um, Interface Zero. So I've got three different Cyberpunk games on my shelf. Um... But, uh, okay, so then what are some other appendage punk genres? Like, when we well, said steampunk. There's steampunk, there's, what is it, techno-punk? I've heard that. Techno-punk? I'm not entirely sure what that's okay. supposed to be. <clears throat> there's steampunk, there's diesel-punk. Um, diesel-punk? There's diesel-punk, yeah, which yeah. is um, more of a 50s, you know, everything has an engine, um, you know, anything can be made better with motor oil kind of an attitude, 40s, oh, okay. 50s. Like, um, Sky Captain, The World of Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Oh, got it. Yep. Well, I, uh, okay, so that's diesel punk, not, not steampunk. That makes right. sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, there's bleed over <laughs> all over the place. Um, uh, there's various sort of post-human games which I think qualify even though they don't necessarily have punk in the name um, uh, post-human games and settings things like that uh, and uh, uh, there's something that at least in the literary world has been showing up a lot which is the term hope punk yes I have heard that I've which... heard that oh I'm sorry go ahead oh no 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 go ahead I was going to say, I've always heard it in a derogatory complex, or <laughs> complex, derogatory mm-hmm. context. Mm-hmm. Like someone, like, um, I don't know, I said some some reply guy. I'm, I mm-hmm. was talking about the new Miss Marvel, and some reply guy just chimed uh, in, oh, that's Hope Punk. Get out of here with mm-hmm. that. <laughs> what? I love- I love reply guys with their sad little lives. I uh, I'll just be over here being happy. I <clears throat> I will tell you though. Um cyberpunk is hope punk. Um honestly to me to a certain extent the idea of hope punk is is it's kind of a it's it's kind of a um I've completely lost the ability to find words. But it it basically duplicates the meaning because the whole idea of punk is it's the software tester attitude. Yeah, everything is completely broken, but it can be fixed. You know, as opposed to nihilism where it's like it's all screwed and there's no point. Punk is all about point out the problem, kick its teeth in, and then find the next problem and go stomp on that. So the idea is no matter how hard they grind us down, we will get back up. We will find a way through. We will fight through. I, I like that a lot. In fact, there's a really interesting um, game from, uh, I think it's UFO Studios called Legacy. 
and it's all about rebuilding. It's uh, powered by the apocalypse, and it's rebuilding in a uh, apocalyptic society. It's it's interesting. Um, a big one we're missing, and one that I kind of wanted to delve into a little bit more is gothic punk. Oh, that that for anyone yeah. yeah who's been around a while, that's a loaded term because I think they know what we're talking about. <laughs> and that that would be old world of darkness. Mm-hmm. Mm. And among other among other things. I mean, mm-hmm. I played in games that were homebrew that we would definitely classify as gothic now, mm-hmm. I think. Like, uh, Fran and I were talking yesterday about, yesterday, last week, about this um, campaign we were in, the Kitty campaign. Mm-hmm. That was totally gothic punk. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, heck, Vincent's cyberpunk game was... Was yes. pretty much gothic punk for that. Yeah. Um, are, you, are you talking about the Vincent? I think you're talking about. Yeah, we're talking about Vincent Baker. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god. <laughs> just, I mean, it's so, it's just yeah, so it's, funny because to me he's still this yeah. he's still this guy. You know? Yeah. He's 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 a golden retriever who writes and runs games. I mean, you know. You know and, and here I am, starstruck, and just wanting him to. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Oh my God, he's like a quarter of my bookshelf. <laughs> he's. He'd I be mean, thrilled. In, he really would. In all seriousness, feel free to follow him on Twitter and just say, "Hey, um, he's a really, really sweet guy. He always has been." It'll it'll yeah. probably be like the time I met. Um, I met Kenneth Height, and I I uh, couldn't say anything. I was too scared, and I I choked out. Please sign my copy of Gumshoe. <laughs> well, I can say, yeah. Hi, Vincent. This is my friend Liz. She's mm-hmm. a big fan. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Just like seriously, I'm I've turned beet red. Yeah. Well, seriously, so, he has so, all the gravitas of your typical, you know, Disney cute character. So, well, to, friend, to be fair, we haven't seen him in like thirty years. Yeah, but I doubt years. he's 20, sweeping across 20... the internet, going, "Today we're going to talk about how dice are evil." <laughs> so, so, for those who, for those who don't know, just to make sure, <laughs> Vincent uh, Baker is a. Um, Game designer who um, his his imprint is Lumpley Games. He's one of the pioneers of the indie game movement uh, with Dogs in the Vineyard and Apocalypse World, and then games like Kill Puppies for Satan. And the game that he has coming out called The King is Dead, which I should be getting a copy of any week now because <laughs> I kickstarted it. Um, yep. And uh, he and his wife uh, Meg Baker. I have to make sure to call her by her married name because that's not where my mind mm-hmm. goes. Um, have been uh, doing indie games for decades now. I mean, yeah, I mean, they were starting to screw around with stuff back in the early 90s when when I knew them and hung out with them. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Fran and I went to college with them. So, yeah. And Vincent would also be talked a lot about punk and a lot about transformative, uh, transformative gaming. Because I think honestly, a lot of Apocalypse World, um, not the game itself, but some of the philosophy could definitely be traced back to um, to cyberpunk in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, what I, I I played the original cyberpunk with Vincent. 
So, since we're talking about cyberpunk, um, mm. I, I want to talk about um, capital C cyberpunk, the game here in just a minute. But I also, I know you two are huge fans of cyberpunk. I want to talk about for a second my favorite cyberpunk game. Sure, Shadowrun. Yeah, uh, Shadowrun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, but I do feel like I feel like Shadowrun maybe doesn't do the best job of being. Well, let's okay. Let's explore this a little bit. First of all, because I'm getting ahead of us, what is punk? What can we can we can we agree on a definition of that? I think if you actually agree on a definition, it stops being punk, man. I was, mm. I was just about to say that. <laughs> I was just thinking that as soon as I said it. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I mean, I <laughs> actually punk? just oh, to, to no, relax you... myself. I. To relax myself, I was just listening uh, earlier in the week to The Clash's first album over and over again. So, um, <laughs> uh, punk is punk is the is, is the attitude of. It, I mean, there's a DIY DIY aspect to it. There's a kicking down doors aspect to it. Good for good punk. There's a liberation aspect to it. Um, whether that be um, no racists, whether that be queer liberation. Uh, mm. I mean, you know, basically freedoms punk is, I'm not going to finish that because this isn't uh, a PG-13 uh, podcast. Uh, <laughs> is it? Punk has expletive beginning with F. Let's, mm. let's just say that. Yeah. Um, anyone else want to go? I would, I would argue that... <clears throat> I, w- I would I would agree I would agree with what you're saying. Punk is definitely about rejecting status quo, trying to make things better, kicking down some doors. It's loud. It's kind of in your face. Um, that that to me is what punk is. Mm. Yep. Yeah. I was gonna say it's the defiant middle finger of the downtrodden. Whoa. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, just, I, yeah, it's, it's, um, what was the Captain America quote? You know, sometimes when uh, the whole world looks at you and says, move, you have to look back at it and say, no, you move. That to me is definitely the punk attitude. And, you know, I think Captain America would probably hang out with punks. Yeah, I kind of think Jesus would too. Mm. I don't think I don't think most of Jesus's fandom would really like him all that much. No, that's let's not. That, uh, that's yeah, it. We yeah. could devolve into an entirely other conversation. <laughs> <laughs> hey, next time, let's talk about divinity. Oh no, 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 no. Um, so okay, I think we've got some good, solid understanding of what that is. So, in our case, we're talking about cyberpunk. That's kind of uh, an intersection of technology against fighting against oppression, using that kind of tools to liberate yourself. You know, I um, I've kind of always been drawn to um, to street samurai characters mm-hmm. because I, for you know, shockingly, a trans person likes the idea of um, hacking their own body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, transhumanism. 
Yeah, really, really should have seen that one coming. Yeah. <laughs> Looking back, it's like, oh, yeah. Wow. Well, that makes so much more sense now. I mean, the interesting thing is I never, uh, I always, when I play cyberpunk in the past, I've always done the least amount of cyber enhancements. I'm always about the, more about the other punk aspects, more about the, play a lot of journos. So, you know, lots of investigation and mm-hmm. exposing corruption and fighting the man and shit like, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, since we're talking about characters we prefer, I've, I've leaned heavily on the, on the, the, uh, the low cyber end too, just because I'm a talking character and with a four empathy, you know, your persuasion is basically well, like bunny. Okay, I, I'm I'm petting the bunny, so um, well, yeah, most um, of my sorry, go ahead. Uh, my uh, my my most uh, renowned, I guess, character, Mr. Goodwrench, had nano enhancements, but that was really it because he grew up in a booster gang and got to see what that kind of stuff does to you. So. Yeah, most of my characters were pretty light on it, too. Yeah, um, I don't want to... I know you want to get back to Shadowrun, but um, I, I want to m- mention a couple of things that I want to talk about a little later um, so we don't forget. Um, one is the empathy... Um, mm-hmm. the, the empathy mechanic, and the other one is the fact that what we're talking about with Cyberpunk, uh, our working definition, is how it started. But mm-hmm. it is definitely not necessarily where it is now um, at, oh, yeah. for, for some people. Um, I feel like um, Cyberpunk started as um, fighting against the machine, and now it's just become, ooh, cool future crap um, mm-hmm. and well, for a lot of people. Let's and, look at that then. I okay. think that those are good points. So tell me more about what you mean. Is emp- are you talking – are, so let me ask you, are we talking capital C, cyberpunk, or are we talking lowercase c, the genre? Okay, well, the, the empathy mechanic specifically is capital mm-hmm. C, cyberpunk. Yeah. Um, so if we want to talk about the mechanic first, the, I mean, uh, Mike Pondsmith, I mean, it's pretty clear why he designed it this way, and that's to keep people from just getting ridiculously overpowered in a, in a role-playing game and destroying yep. everything. Um, the, um, the mechanic is as you get more... Uh, Further away from human, more transhuman, more, uh, more cybernetic stuff, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. There's a chance it doesn't. It, there's a, there doesn't always happen, but there's a good chance that your stat empathy goes down in a correlating manner. So you become less human, less em- mm-hmm. empathic or empathetic uh, to the people empathic. around you. Empathic mm-hmm. to the people around you, um, and. Um, and while that's a great mechanic for uh, for the game as far as trying to keep a balance, there are problems with it um, as far as um, going back transhumanism goes. Um, it, I don't know. I just friend um, with something. It's. I mean, it's it's meant to raise questions, and and I. I do think it's a mechanic that uh, that they've refined over time. Um, in I know in 2020 and I believe in 2030, you can get therapy and stuff that will basically help you start to recover some of that stuff. The idea is um, it's really hard to feel normal 
and like you fit in when you, you weigh 20 tons and can rip a door off its hinges accidentally uh, or when you can see into the x-ray range or things like that um, in uh, 2030 in particular I know that they they start to it, it's kind of ironic, you know, cyberware um, has a little bit of an analogy to LGBTQ stuff. You have people who are full cybered who build a society and basically say, fine, you guys don't have to come. Um, and I, I have not had a chance to see the cyberpunk red system, which is um, we're supposed to get our first, uh, it's, it's basically supposed to land um, probably around Gen Con this year, um, but it wouldn't surprise me if there's uh, if there's more differences there too. How have you um, not talked your way into working on that? Uh, I haven't asked because I feel greedy, which I know is really weird. But and also I've been you know there's there's, there's been, I've been doing stuff. I've been writing <laughs> that that novel I've been working on with all those characters and plot developments and whatnot. Yeah, well, so. Yes, yes. I'm just, I'm just surprised. Well, yeah. Fran, Fran has worked with, um, with Pon, Mike Pondsmith on yeah. a few projects. isn't? And yeah. I know cyberpunk is like your favorite. It's, game. it's what I come, it's what I come home to, but on the other hand, nobody plays it. So I haven't run it in ages. And I, so I'm trying to remember if I've, played the 2030 setting I, um, I, must I, I started a campaign that I, I literally called going forward which was meant to be a bridge campaign between 2020 and 2030 <clears throat> um, yeah hang on you're, you're, you're cutting in and out I'm sorry you got it that's okay mm-hmm yeah, the uh, the the world in 2030 is very very different. Um, basically, uh, they they came along and kind of erased a lot of the significant characters from <clears throat> previous generations, so that new heroes could show up and new stories could get told. Um, and in doing so, they kind of blew up a lot of Night City. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I. Uh, I tried to bring people along for that, but that campaign kind of fell apart uh, quite a few years ago. So, oh, but, but okay. So getting back to the empathy thing, um, one other thing that um, one other issue with with that the mechanic is uh, the possibility of something called cyberpsychosis. Mm-hmm. That um, I think it's a it's a role, isn't it? Every time. Mm-hmm. Um, not every time. It's it's basically it's once time. you get down to a once you get down to a certain level, you're at severe risk of uh, of um, uh, kind of losing your cookies and and literally becoming dissociative. Um, or in, 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 in a, wait, that's, in a, that's a consequence. I thought that's just how everybody operated. <laughs> well, you know, there's a lot of that too. It can be hard to tell. Um, and for some people, the effects are fairly benign. There's a, there's a character who basically um, thinks he's Aquaman, and everybody's like, "Oh, well, we've tried to look up his past, and we don't know it." But you know, John Neptune is the guy you go to if you want to do underwater ops, and you know, you just have to get used to calling him Your Majesty. 
but then there are people who basically sort of get uncomfortable because there are all these little delicate bags of water all around them and it's upsetting and they want them to move so they move them so yeah it's um again i mean these are on on one level they're fantastic mechanics but from a viewpoint of uh looking at trans humanism mm -hmm. um they can be a little problematic yeah but well i but i mean they're definitely needed for balance because otherwise yeah. you get someone who cybers up and then they dominate mm -hmm. yeah i don't want to rat hole on this too much more but i will mention one other mechanic the idea in these games is that you get the best stuff either by being the best by stealing the best or by selling yourself out and if you sell yourself out to a corporation you can get a total body replacement and get all the therapy and drugs you need to keep your trolley on the rails it's just they own you literally um, you know you're a brain in a jar and the jar belongs to somebody who does not have your best interest at heart so part of the idea is how can you you know how can you weasel your way into all of this good stuff and cyberpunk does not make it easy on any front um you know there there are specific guidelines for the jam on here's how to take things away from your players to make them sad and angry so that they'll go punch people's lights out so i um there is i i um sorry brain i really <laughs> like this this game called the sprawl it's cyberpunk, it's powered by the apocalypse, but it does a very, very good job of handling cyberization, things like that, from kind of an LGBTQ lens, and it doesn't make you feel icky for wanting to change your body, if that mm. makes sense. Yeah. It, it's handled very well. I, can, um, I can't recommend that game enough. Mm-hmm. So the sprawl. The sprawl. Okay. I mean, how does it handle it? What's uh? Well, um, let me actually pull it up here. So why don't you two? Why don't Why don't we? Uh, sorry, bear with me a second. Why don't you guys um talk amongst ourselves? Well, I'm not talking about yourself. So let's <laughs> the other topic you had brought up, um, how it started, or or how how cyberpunk had started. What has it become like? How how is that kind of morphed, and is it really cyberpunk? Well, I mean, okay, so here's here are my it's hard to crystallize my thoughts, but when it started, it was it was an upstart. It was literally a, uh, a punk movement to a lot to a large extent. It was a movement of writers who mm -hmm. were breaking norms and doing all kinds of stuff. But the thing is that as it got I don't want to say commodified, but I guess commodified. Um, I think that's it, a great word for it. Yeah, it did what happened to what happened when punk music got commodified, and it became, uh, you know, pop. <laughs> you know, um, I mean, absolutely no offense to um, to popular punk musicians, but you listen to someone, you listen to the Clash in nineteen seventy seven. And then you listen to Green Day, and there's a big difference. Um, not not putting down Green Day at all. 
<laughs> okay. But, um, I mean, a similar thing happened with cyberpunk to a much even greater extent. And it became one of those things where if it's a slightly dystopian future and if there are computers involved, suddenly it's labeled, uh, or I should say branded cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. And that's not where, that's not where we were when the game came out in 88, uh, or when I played it in 90. And it's definitely not, it's definitely, to me, it feels more like a fun science fiction thing rather than cyberpunk. Cyberpunk should be dirty, it should be dangerous, um, it should be about, I mean, well, I like I said, I always played journal- journalists and doc and medics and things like that, so I was always about discovering the secrets and ripping the lid off the, communi- the, the, the corporations and all that stuff, and I, you know, you can play corpse, and that's that's perfectly valid. But I don't know. That's just me, Fran. What do you what do you have to say? Uh, sort of lost track of what the question was. How how is cyberpunk changed? How is it? Hmm. Uh, is it still cyber? Is cyberpunk still cyberpunk? And um, I don't mean necessarily the game. I mean the genre in general. Yeah. No. 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 I figured. Um. I. I mean, it's definitely gone from being the new hotness to, yeah, 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 yeah I know what that is, kind of the same way that Space Opera did. Um, it, it's, it's still a genre, and it still has its adherence. Um, and like every, pretty much every other genre, there's plenty of garbage out there that basically is just kind of like, you guys like guns, right? Um, I mean, a, a, lot of the, a lot of the fandom for cyberpunk, unfortunately, is in the, yeah, guns, yeah, yeah, take it from the man, be strong kind of crowd. But, um, but they're, I, I don't know, the cyberpunk that I care about tends to be of the more interesting, what actually are humans, how do we survive in a world where people own everything? Um, how, you know, how can you be a dandelion that grows into the cracks in the sidewalk and actually finds water and nourishment in, in a situation like this? And how can you fight back and destabilize and break the sidewalk up so that there's more ground for everybody? Um, I, I was going to say, have you, um, have either of you ever read, um, Richard K. Morgan, um, the Takashi Kovach novels? Nope. I've heard about them, and I've meant to, but uh, they're, you know, number 15 on my list of 10 things I've got to read this week pretty much yeah. every time. No, I got to. I'm, I'm just going to say I am horribly ill-read when it comes to modern science fiction. I'm, I'm really bad about that. I'm stuck in the past for a lot of SF. Mm-hmm. So they're, they kind of... Um, there was there so there is a Netflix series based off of the first book called oh, Altered yeah, Carbon. Altered Carbon. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've heard of that. And um, I think it kind of I think I think uh, Richard K. Morgan does a good job of presenting new cyberpunk. I think he has he's kind of walking. Uh, and now, bear in mind, these books are many years old now. Mm-hmm. They, I think they came out like 2012. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds about right. But he does a good line of, of this. Okay, the system is corrupt. It's terrible. We're trying to work in it to not die, 
at the same mm -hmm. time get as much as we can and not have to yeah. deal with them. Mm -hmm. um, it's the all three books. Kind of the the third book, I think it's the most cyberpunk because uh, it deals with the main character having to fight a copy of himself. Mm. Huh. Whoa! But a younger, more a younger version of him that has not learned the lessons. One has. Isn't there, isn't there a movie out with Will Smith coming out that looks a lot like that? I I remember seeing the trailer before I saw. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Some movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I mean, you know, CIA assassin thing, not mm -hmm. like a cyberpunk thing. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Um, yeah, I I think there is, but but my my kind of um, I think we're kind of I think in some circles we're moving away. Um, I think you're seeing more uh, uh, more LGBTQ folks, weirdly enough, in like erotica, mm -hmm. cyberpunk. <laughs> it's mm. it's kind of one of those things you stumble down a rabbit hole and you're like, huh. That was really good cyberpunk. I don't know what I just read, <laughs> but that was that was interesting. Mm -hmm. um, oh, to answer the question previously about how the system works in the sprawl, uh, you are so um, the way most powered by the apocalypse games work. I, I'm sure you two know, but for those who might not. Um, Whenever you level up, quote unquote, you get what's called an advance, meaning you get to pick an, a new ability, a new move, something cool. And one of those options is to go under the knife and get some cyberware. And it's handled by being, you know, you can only do it if you've got a move or if you've got an advance. Mm -hmm. So it does the normal Powered by the Apocalypse thing is if you're buying into the system, you know you can only do that you can only do that from a story beat wise when you've got an advance right because it's all about story it's not about it's it's less about mechanic and all, and more about story um there's another really interesting indie game called um tomorrow's yesterday that sounds familiar it's it's um it's a GM-less game. In fact, you can swap characters beginning of scenes. Hmm. And your your objective is to pretty much get out. Like, whatever, you, whatever you're trying to do, it's... You're trying to leave the story. Hmm. Um, hmm. And whenever, like, a character has achieved so many goals, then they get to describe how they leave, how they get out. Maybe maybe they're getting out is getting killed. Maybe they're getting out is taking a payoff and going to live on an, ir an island. Mm -hmm. It's it's interesting. It's very neo-noir um, mixed in with, with cyberpunk. That's cool. That does sound fun. I don't know if uh, I don't know if our group could handle it, but it sounds fun. Maybe I'll it's, it's, it's really, it's fun. It's GM list, but you kind of need someone who's familiar with the book so maybe maybe i'll run it for us one day <laughs> that would be fun like if we have an afternoon to kill to do that and record it mm. but um yeah so 
kind of kind of to summarize our the cyberpunk part of our discussion um i think we can agree cyberpunk is definitely queer mm-hmm. yep or at least good cyberpunk should be mm-hmm. um sometimes mechanics don't always line up with good representation though like um I don't know. I always think of it like, okay, so I've taken bodily autonomy or autonomy. Thank you. I can't talk mm-hmm. today. That's fine. And um, and and but you can only get so much of it. Is how mechanics like like the way cyberpunk works mm-hmm. kind of feel like, which mechanically we get, but it's still uh, it's not great. It can be a little limiting. Yeah. Um, cause like, and, and, and not to like, not to, to cast down, like my favorite cyberpunk game, Shadowrun absolutely does that too. Oh, hey, we haven't talked about Shadowrun. We're going to talk about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, Shadowrun, I feel like, well, Shadowrun earns the honor of having pissed off William Gibson. Yes. <laughs> um, so that's definitely, that's, I don't hate William Gibson, but he needs to maybe chill out a little bit. Okay, mm-hmm. I, I gotta tell my my Bill Gibson, my William Gibson story. I gotta tell it. Um, so I was at WorldCon. I was thirteen or fourteen, and I had just read Count Zero serialized in Isaac Asimov's science fiction magazine. Mm-hmm. And so William Gibson was sitting at a table with a friend who the I don't I have no idea who it was, and I was you know wanted to go up and get my program autographed and and tell him about it. And I had just read Count Zero. I read I had read Neuromancer. I hadn't read anything else. I wanted to, you know, go up and tell him that I liked it. And, you know, I went up and um I'm this little kid, because I was pretty small and I'm like, I I'm Mr. Gibson. I and he's like, so what kind of you know, he he and his friend break off talking and he looks at me and says, so uh um, who do you think should be in the Neuromancer movie? Because at the time it had been optioned and everything. And I was like, I, I, what kind of movie do you think it should be? And I was like, I, I, I don't, I mean, it's a good one? Yeah, yeah, okay. And he signed the thing, and then he and his friend laughed about it. Um, now, he might have been tired. You know, he might have been punchy, whatever. But that really, really pissed me off. It was like, you know, I mean, given that everyone else was so nice to me at that con, this little, mm-hmm. little weedy kid, um, and then Bill Gibson was, just, William Gibson was just such a jerk. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's my William Gibson story. Sorry. <laughs> I, uh, no, I had the same, I've had, I've had a similar encounter with meeting William Shatner. Oh, well, mm. Yeah. Uh, that I completely understand. Don't don't meet your heroes, kids. <laughs> I don't know. Pondsmith is awesome. <laughs> oh, Mike is great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you just, just let him. You just sit him down, get some food in him, and let him talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I get. I think the. I think the best thing to say is those people that you really look up to are people. And you know. They're just like the people you meet on the bus. Some of them are really awesome, um, 
but talent does not necessarily mean great personality. Yeah, I mean, this 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 was the same convention where um, I was standing in line to uh, see um, the Dick Camps and Ray Bradbury, and mm. I'm getting towards the front of the line, and I'm looking tired, and I'm a few people back, and Catherine DeCamp is like, oh, dear, are you okay? Do you need, oh. are you all right? You know, she's the sweetest, mm-hmm. she's the sweetest woman. So, you know, sometimes, and, and sometimes, you know, your heroes are horrible, but sometimes they're like Catherine and Sprague DeCamp, and they're wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, no, but I, sh- I should also caveat, folks, don't listen to me. I'm, 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 super, I'm, super, I'm super bitter. Don't listen to me. Go be happy. Remember to take your pills. Everybody, remember to take your pills, remember to drink water, and get, try to get some sleep at night. Uh, well. And knowing is half the battle. Uh Anyway, where were we? We were talking about Shadowrun. Yeah. So, like I said, Shadowrun, um, <laughs> Shadowrun definitely pissed William Gibson off. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, yeah, that, he definitely did not like that. Um, Shadowrun is, for those of you who don't know, um, hopefully that's not a lot of you, Shadowrun is a game where imagine a world that's advanced enough to the point where we now have cybernetics. But magic has also come back into the world, so we have, you know, orcs with dermal plating, trolls with razor blade arms, uh, elves that are hackers, and dwarves that are shamans. Uh, And any other combination you can think of running around. Oh, and dragons. Uh, Dragons own a lot of mega corporations. Uh It's... Uh I was just going to say we are talking basic, we're talking about the setting but we're also going to be talking about the tabletop game because the uh the video game is very different. Um, oh yeah. Mm. Now the the <laughs> game the games by Harebrained Schemes fantastic but they are mechanically better than the tabletop game. Mm. Well, <laughs> um yeah, that's one reason why we never played Shadow run um because uh when, when we were doing a lot of cyberpunk stuff because it was first edition shadow run mm-hmm. um and that book was buggy as hell <laughs> mm-hmm. so here so yeah shadow run it's kind of got a weird history it's been owned by almost every company that makes games <laughs> um it's like i don't want to get too deep into minutiae because I, I, I could talk about Shadowrun all day, but I don't think anyone wants to hear that. <laughs> um, but ultimately, like a, it, it kind of suffers from the same problems. It, 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 it both is excellent and suffers from the same problems as Cyberpunk, capital C, because they're, they're kind of games of the same era. Um, they're, I think they're coming from that same zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, cyberpunk, uh, Shadowrun is kind of D and D cyberpunk. That's the way I've always thought about it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good descriptor for it. And I and I always have felt like cyberpunk is more storytelling. It mm-hmm. it, it it's not quite as rules lawyery. Yeah. Uh, you're you're talking capital C cyberpunk. Capital C cyberpunk. Uh, but, no, it's it it's pretty rulesy, but that's 
part of the idea is it's it's not going to be easy and you're going to get shot a lot and being shot is not a fun thing. Well, I know it's it as far as combat goes, it's heavy rules, but as far, mm-hmm. as, far as other simulation goes, it's heavy ah, heavy true. leaning on the storytelling. Yes, that's I think true. unlike say D&D or something. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what she's saying. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep, I I I agree with that. <clears throat> um yeah, so like like I was saying though, um, it they're definitely kind of both of that same era. Um, fun thing about Shadowrun, so Shadowrun Fourth Edition had a book called Shadowrun Twenty Fifty, which was a way to go back and play First Edition Shadowrun <laughs> with the Fourth Edition rules. And um, wow. you, you mentioned you mentioned First Edition being buggy. <laughs> Oh my god, this book. <laughs> From the word go, it's nothing but, huh, that's not right, or no, I don't, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> this contradicts the other bit over here. <laughs> it's, it's definitely an experience. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know, it's one of those things where I, I think because because cyberpunk uh, lowercase C has such a place in my heart and it's definitely something that egg me latched onto was oh, I wish I could just change and modify my body um, it definitely they definitely hold a lot of special memories for me mm. and, I, and I I think for a lot of LGBTQ folks who are fans of that genre they hold a lot of special memories because uh, in, in some ways, I think that's how we came to realize, at least I did, um, that, oh, I'm a little bit different. Uh, so not to kind of wrap up on a downer, um, I want to talk about um, another punk genre I want to, okay, so here's, this might be opening up a can of worms. Here's my question. Gothic punk, particularly Old World of Darkness, is it truly punk? Um, I think it depends on how you play it. I would say first edition Mm. was, yes, extremely punk. Um, Not in a cyberpunk way, obviously, but in a, I mean, for God's sake, everyone wanted to be David Bowie, everyone wanted to be, um, um, Peter Murphy, everyone, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about um, the 90s. Um, everybody wanted to be, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, yeah, Susie, Susie Sue. Yes, yes, I yeah. would say World of Darkness, vampire, specifically Vampire the Masquerade, mm-hmm. started out very, yeah, I think Gothic punk is the best way. I think, I mm-hmm. Well, when you get into gothic punk, you also get into um, culture in general, and I think a lot of people forget that goth culture in general was a direct, direct descendant of punk. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm going to show my age a little bit here. Um, I didn't start playing any World of Darkness until uh, New World of Darkness. It wasn't until much, much later that I kind of have gone back and looked at the old material. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, mm-hmm. My favorite is Werewolf. Well, Werewolf, I mean, I, okay, so I didn't play Old World of Darkness. I had lots of friends who played it. I was adjacent to it a lot. Because mm-hmm. um, I thought um, the people, well, the people who played it, I thought they were kind of pretentious. Uh, <laughs> which, let's be frank, they were. But, you know, we were also 20. Uh, so I remember when Werewolf came out and people were excited about it because it was so – it had such a different feel than Vampire, um, the Masquerade. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm trying to think. I think most people were excited because they got to be feral. <laughs> See, the way, I, the way I've always looked at it is um, Werewolf is a game about being an eco-terrorist. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, 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 and, and their main, one of their main opponents is a corporation. So I've always sort of looked at it as punk. Uh, however, it kind of gets a little fashy. Yes. Uh, yeah. which is, which is you read deeper and you're like, oh, and, that's. And, and that has been a significant problem with the new werewolf game. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. I mean, let, let's the the elephant in the room. Um, <laughs> the mm-hmm. New World of Darkness has had some uh, tremendous issues because uh, their the owner, not the not the licensor. On mm-hmm. again, I I don't want to say Onyx Path is responsible for this, but the owner whose name escapes me. Um, do you, Swedish Edge Lords. Well, that's what that's no, that's not their name. That's what. Mm-hmm people call yeah. them but well, at any yeah this Swedish company and some of the stuff that um wound up showing up in the game and some of which Onyx Path was actually forced to use because of the terms of the license and I think they've now stopped doing it was yeah. really problematic yeah um and it's yeah I mean I would say that the new world, the newest version of World of Darkness, is the is is moving further and further from the punk idea, mm-hmm. um, and more yeah. towards. I don't want to say fash, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. The kind of skinheads that real skinheads used to beat the crap out of when they came around the clubs. Yeah. Um, I've heard. I've just heard a lot of bad things, and I've read a couple mm-hmm. of bad excerpts. Um, and I know the most egregious stuff got excised, but it should never have been there to begin with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, all right. You know what? I'm sorry. I, I, no, no, it's okay. I lied. Um, <laughs> I, I I just brought us right back into another downer. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's no, but I mean, the original World of Darkness and the majority of the people who play World of Dark World of Darkness is another major, major queer touchstone. For a lot of role players, not me, but a lot of role players. Um, yeah, no, for me it definitely were, uh, werewolf and hunter were definitely werewolf more so than hunter, but they were definitely two games that I played a lot of that were like that that you kind of got to explore things that you, maybe you didn't get to in other games. Well, I mean, I think the amusing thing is, and I don't want to don't want to terribly stereotype here, is from what I've been able to tell. Uh, werewolf was more the game for the trans queer people or eggs 
and Vampire was definitely definitely just a gay game. <laughs> what what was okay? What do we think Mage was? I have no idea. By the time <laughs> Mage came out, I remember when Mage came out and people were like, "This sucks," but I didn't really have anything to do with it. <laughs> oh, I love I love Mage too. So I don't know what I'm curious as to what people think that says about me. Well, I just I like I said I remember at the time because it screwed with the world as I recall. Like it changed a lot of stuff, but I don't remember any details. Do you remember, Fran? No, I I I did Vampire for a while, and then um, I lost the group that I played with, and uh, ran a couple of games in college, and it just kind of it it was definitely in the phase where lots of people were sort of wandering about in trench coats, being shady at Vampire games, and mm-hmm. um, I I sort of was like, this is not really a great look, so I kind of fell out of the community right about this time. It was really beginning to flourish, apparently. I think I think it means maybe I just smoked too much, and, and <laughs> I really think that might be what it means. Well, but, I mean, uh, you know, let's let's. I mean, what I think the the old uh, the old stereotype from back in the in the, by the mid early to mid nineties was uh, people who play vampire are terribly pretentious. People who play werewolf are feral jocks. Um, but I don't know. Is there is ever anything about May? It went and the one, uh, the fairy one. Oh, Changeling. Um, Changeling. I remember people having issues with Changeling too, but I don't remember any of the details. We can do. We could do. I could talk about Changeling forever. Um, oh, also, I want to. Hey, shout out to my mom who listens to this. I didn't smoke in college. I have no idea what that other person was talking about. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Liz's mom. We love you, Liz's mom. <laughs> But um, all right. Uh, I guess I could talk about Changeling, but uh, we should do we should do an episode on we should do a post mortem on World of Darkness at some point. Say uh huh a lot. <laughs> I know. I mean, I'll, I'll just I'll just send you two copies of books. Yeah, this this <laughs> is definitely something that that you guys could talk about because, like I said, vampire. It just felt very pretentious to me, and I kept away, and that's that's my fault. You know, that's my failing. But we were like, yeah, we play D anD. d You <laughs> know what I, what I? We play cyberpunk. <laughs> what I'd really love to do. Um, the RPPR crew, they they did this with fake hells. They um, they read excerpts of the um, of the books to her, and and got her reaction. <laughs> Someone who's n- never had anything to do with this, but uh, wow. but anyway, so let's. Um, I feel like I feel like we've we've talked about some stuff. We've talked about some cyberpunk. We've talked about some world of darkness. Uh, I think the only thing we can all agree on is um, fight the power. Yeah, pretty much. Whatever, whatever you're doing, if you want to make mm-hmm. it punk, you throw an evil corporation in. And you say, go dismantle that. Ah, that's something yeah. I wanted to talk about. Yeah, the, the fact that you can make any game punk. Mm-hmm. You can yep. make, you just, it's, a, it's an attitude. Mm-hmm. It's yep. totally, and it's not, doesn't necessarily have to be a corporation. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. like, I have a character um, in a D&D game that, it definitely has a punk attitude. He has been forced to be the emissary of the gods, 
and he hates them. He hates them. He is willing. He'll do, he has to do their bidding because he has no choice. But he will do everything he can to do what he thinks is right and and fuck them if, if he can get away with it. Uh, oh God, we haven't played that game in a long time. I miss that mm, guy. Yeah. I miss Cobb. <laughs> so you can inject punk into anything. It's yeah. it's an attitude, um, and um, as long as your table's cool with it, as long as your DM's cool with it, um, mm -hmm. as you know, because my DM at the time for a little while didn't get it, and she was like, "You can make another character. Are you just really not happy?" And I was like, "No, no, this is the character. <laughs> this yeah. is great." <laughs> so you can do it. I did that in D and D. You can do it in. You can do it in bunnies and burrows. You can do it in anything. <laughs> oh, now I want to play a bunny that wears a leather jacket with spikes. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know how the bunny uh, got the leather jacket from the cow and then mm -hmm. tan the high. Um, I guess we could we could think about mouse guard as far as that goes. Yeah, yeah it, might, it might be more mouse guard. Um, yeah. <laughs> so let's uh, let's uh, kind of move on to the shout outs. What are we really digging this week? All right. I know I've mentioned this before, but I'm going to say it again. Yesterday, I finished season four of Star vs. the Forces of Evil. Ooh. And, oh my god, this is, it. I, it's a children's cartoon. It is so much better than it has any right to be. It is so much more emotional, deeply emotional. It, 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 the plots are just fantastic. fantastic. I mean, in, in the literal sense, they are, in fact, fantastic, but also mm -hmm. they really work well. The character and character development over the course of the series is extraordinary. And um, one of the things that I love is it really doesn't take long. It's really probably, oh, I don't know, uh, halfway to two-thirds of the way uh, through the first season before you realize that most that the, the forces of evil is kind of a fun, fungible concept. <laughs> a malleable I mean there are a couple of there are some villains that are really villains but for the most part yeah yeah mm -hmm. um it's it's a lot less clear cut after after the like have, after everything's been established um and it just gets better and better and better it's four seasons um it is I believe on Hulu although I did not watch it on Hulu <laughs> um, and um, the uh, it, a lot of it's up on YouTube illegally um, and elsewhere, which I'm not going to talk about. And uh, reruns are on the Disney XD, and I would recommend it to everyone. Sorry, yeah, a little long. No, no, I was. I, I if you're if you're digging it, I I it's on my list of stuff to check out. Uh, like I said, right now I am finishing Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but then once that's done, something nice and light sounds good. But, uh, Frank, what are you digging? <clears throat> Let me see. What am I... Hmm. Or I should ask, what have you had time for this week? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, well, um, I actually, yeah, I'll call out a uh, a place, which is a uh, so um, 
my wife and I uh, several years ago got to go to Treehouse Point, which is run by uh, Pete Nelson, uh, who basically he's got a, a show on Animal Planet about building tree houses, and um, they've set up their property so that it's got six different tree houses on the property that you can stay in overnight, and they are just absolutely lovely. The the they it it costs a lot, but it's a pretty singular experience. The folks on the staff are lovely. The houses themselves, the craftsmanship is beautiful. The location is stunning. It was fantastic for work and uh, for as a as a writer. The only thing that really uh, nailed us sideways is we went to this place that had a really great cheese fondue for dinner. So the evening we thought we were going to spend writing was basically spent lying in the bed in a cheese coma. But um, <laughs> but we still got productive work done, and uh, it was just wonderful. And if you can find a way in, um, yeah, they're okay. they're a fantastic thing. They're out in uh, Fall City, which is <clears throat> kind of near Seattle. Um, but it's it's worth the trip if you can figure out a way to make it. And what are they what's what are they called again? Treehouse Point. Sorry, I'm just making a note of that there. Yeah. <laughs> um, Fran Fran and her wife have stayed there several times, and each time I I wind up being a little jealous. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> just twi just twice. Just twice? Okay. Yeah, just twice. So I guess I have I want to. I feel bad. I want to shout out the two. I want to two things. Um, Go for it. One, you run this show, so <laughs> no, it's a team <laughs> effort. It's a team effort. <laughs> uh, one is I got. Um, I accidentally got my girlfriend addicted to Pokemon Go. Oh yeah. And then I got her. It was her, it was her birthday the other day, and she got a or I got her a Switch and Let's Go Eevee. And playing that together is the most fun. <laughs> it's oh, it's so good. Um, and you also cooked her a really nice dinner, and were lovely, and that was a lovely picture. The two of you. Oh, <laughs> <I'm just saying. laughs> but um, but I can say it's it's a fun Pokemon game. Um, it's really cool when you throw Pokeballs together. It does this really cute animation when when you catch them. It's mm -hmm. uh, it's so good, um, and it's just it's fun because it's a remake of Pokemon Yellow, and that's a game. Yeah, that's a game I played when I was a kid. So it's like I get to act like tour guide as we're going through, and it's like, oh, that's this place. Um, <laughs> you know, it it's just fun. Um, and then the second thing I want to talk, I want to shout out to is where I am going to be uh, next week. Uh, I am going to summer camp. Um, I'm, I'm going to a summer camp for uh, uh, for queer women mm -hmm. called A Camp, uh, and I am beyond excited. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. The theme this year is homecoming. So each camp or each cabin is like a different. We're we're different high school. <laughs> so we are like, we will complete with mascots. Uh, we are the fighting alpacas. 
mm-hmm. on top of fighting llamas <laughs> as I have been corrected. And I keep saying, and we might just end up being the llamas if I can't remember. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I even have, and they're like, the Sunday night, there's going to be a dance. Uh, so that's going to be fun. I have a cheerleader outfit. Oh, my gosh. It's, I got a Riverdale. Oh, my God. Uh, I found a Riverdale cheerleader costume. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> And and um then I then 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 we may have ordered pom poms. Oh wow! <laughs> Jess has got to take pictures of this. Oh, uh, there's gonna got be got to see this. There's gonna be plenty of pictures. Um, my therapist when I told her, she was like, "Oh my god, you've got to take pictures." <laughs> uh, in fact, my entire support group just kind of dropped their mouths. They're like, <laughs> "They're like, you're gonna do what now?" Uh-huh. Uh, no, it's a really good time. It's run. I don't know if you all um, ever read the website Autostraddle. I've heard of it, but I don't mm-hmm. read it. Yeah. Um, it, it's a it's a cool website. It they uh, a lot of articles aimed at queer women and some non-binary and non-binary folks. It's it, it's fun. It's good, and it's, mm-hmm. it's run by it's run by them. Um, and uh, it's going to be out in California, so I'm going to be out there for the first time ever. Wow. On a plane for the first time. Oh my gosh. Oh wow. Do you have a direct flight? Direct flight. Yeah, we're we're flying out of uh, out of DC right into LAX. Okay. Well mm. uh, good luck. Have fun. Wow. Yeah, it's gonna yeah. Be, it's gonna be a good time. Um uh, I guess we should probably note that we're probably not gonna be recording an episode for next week. Because right. Liz is be a little busy. Yeah, um, yeah. Liz, and unfortunately, will be a little jet lagged by the time I get back. Yeah, we will be back till Monday evening. So unfortunately, no no episode next week. But um, I will yeah. make sure uh, you, the Twitter account might be posting pictures. So <laughs> okay. Uh, at least you all get to see me in a cheerleader's costume. Oh. It's going to um, look great. And surprise for the two of you, we don't have anything finalized yet, but we're making plans to come out to Seattle. Oh, that's great. Definitely when we do hanging out with you all is going to be on, on our list. Excellent. Yay. Uh, that and going to the uh, communications museum. Right. <laughs> and so that's the, are we talking next year? Are we talking later this year? Uh, we don't quite know. We're gonna try for this year. Okay, great. But we've 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 got kind of we've already got some travel. Mm-hmm. Um, because we're gonna go because we're already going out to. Um, we're gonna we're gonna be in San Francisco in um, the end of the month actually. Mm-hmm. For a friend's wedding, so that'll be the first time I've ever gone to San Francisco. <laughs> you uh, know, I'm wonder I'm wondering if we should be talking about this in the recording. <laughs> Oh, I mean, yeah, I don't, I, trust me, no one's going to find me. Okay. Um, I, I'm not, I, I don't, there's not enough specifics, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, so then we're going to be at, um, hopefully we're going to be at, uh, FlameCon in New York. Mm. Excellent. That's a queer Comic-Con. 
Yeah, yeah, it's supposed to be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I talked Jess into going to her first Broadway show. We're going to so see. We're going to see Wicked. Cool. Oh, it's it's really good. It, well, I've seen it before. It's my favorite. So Jess asked, what, are we, you know, what should we go see? And I was like, well, we should go see Wicked. Because <laughs> that opening note, who <laughs> can't beat that? Yeah. And it's less problematic than Phantom of the Opera. Well, a lot. I mean, it's hard to get more. Well, you could get more problematic than Phantom, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, didn't Charlie Sheen do a, a Broadway show? Uh, yes. I think he did a one-man show thing at some point. Yeah, so that, no, that's mm. how you get more problematic on stage. Just Tiger blood. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I, I think, I think uh, folks have listened to us ramble enough. <laughs> um, so you can find us at Tabletop Trance. Uh, transmission on uh, Twitter. Uh, you can find me at little underscore Lizzie 22 on Twitter. You can uh, find, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, Kathy, you want to go ahead? Yeah, yeah. You can find me at at tip transformed on Twitter, and you can find tabletop transmissions at at tabletop transmissions on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And, and remember, we are available on iTunes and Podbean, and who knows where we'll go next. Um, yeah, if you do – oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, Fran. Oh, no, that's fine. I was just going to say, Roland Valor on Twitter. Bye, bye, um, If you do find us on iTunes, please, please, please rate, uh, rate us and leave a review. Those really help. And honestly – it. Uh, on the Twitter account or the Facebook account, if you have any comments, any suggestions, mm-hmm. um, any questions, uh, please. We we really would love the feedback. Yeah. Um, and Get also, Fran. Fandom early. Yeah. And Keep Fran's book, Fran's book, because she never ever plugs it properly. It's called Vigilant by Sarah Stewart and Francis Stewart. It is available on Amazon as an ebook on Drive Through Books. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, it yeah, has right. an ebook and a and a print on demand book, and it's even available on Barnes and Noble as an ebook. Sound of oh, crickets. that's that's relatively new. Um, uh, it's 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 an honestly great book, even if you've never played in the Scarred Lands. I think it's the be- Honestly, it's better than their rule books for an introduction to the setting. I I believe. So buy Fran's book and. And listen to more tabletop transmissions. Hey. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, once again, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, and we uh, we hope we'll uh, see you next time. Woohoo! Well, bye.